Crafty Radio episode 187 on August 5th, 2011. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show where our economists say drink more beer to stave off the double dip recession. Good, good for them. We have a staff of top-notch economists, and their consensus that you need to drink yes. more beer. Their credit rating is fine. Yes, it's it's six A's. Our, we're doing sour beers tonight. It's a sour party. It'll be fun, interesting. We've got two Belgians, two Americans. And we're going to start off with one from Bell's Brewing. This is Orsman Ale. This is a, um, it's a Berliner Weiss. So it's a sour wheat beer. Traditionally in uh, Germany, uh, they actually put fruit flavorings in these. Well, they add syrup. I don't know if I'd call Woodruff a fruit. Okay. It's a, I only had it once. I preferred the beer without it, so I'm not even sure what Woodruff... I'm trying to think back, because I did taste the Woodruff straight. I mean, it's kind of sweet because it's syrup and there's sugar in it, but um, it's it's not fruit, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So it, this is uh, a totally sessionable beer at 4%. Uh, it's, um, I think, you know, I brought it in today. I think it's a really, a really good beer, and it's a good one to get, because it's, you can drink three or four of these and still be fine. And you know, they're thirst quenching. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, did you buy a case of it? No, it came it? in a in a in a variety pack. In a variety pack. Yeah. Yeah, I was I'm curious what a case would cost because if it's a reasonable price, I, I'd snap one up in a second for sure. Um, let's let's talk about this beer. Pours cloudy of all cloudiness. I mean, it is like I don't know. It's, it's like, just you muddy. know what it looks like. It, it looks kind of like. Uh, pulpy grapefruit juice. Pulpy grapefruit juice. Uh, yeah, it makes me think of. I don't. I've never had it, but you know those commercials where they pour the metamucil, they stir up the metamucil. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like. Very thin head, but you know, little uh, velvety or thin head across the top. Very grassy wheat aroma. Yeah, grassy wheat. A slight bit of tart, almost lemon, but it's it's so subtle that you might miss it if you're not expect if you're not looking for it because you expect it in a blender vice. Oh yeah, from the first sip, as soon as it hits your yeah. tongue, the tanginess starts in. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a nice tang without being overboard, without being like mm-hmm. fort sour, for example. Um, it's got. Uh, Kind of, I, I guess it, you know the best way to describe it is you know pretty lemony, mm-hmm. um, sort of a, a, a maybe a mixture of a little bit of orange there to, to, to cut it, but pretty mm-hmm. lemony, maybe Meyer lemon. Yeah, so the way they typically get the acidity in this beer is that they do a sour mash, and so they let the mash sit overnight, and a bunch of lactobacillus is at work in the mash giving off lactic acid. And then, you know, that goes into the work, gets boiled and whatnot, and it makes it into the finished beer. Uh, it's not traditionally fermented with a wild yeast or anything mm-hmm. like that. It, uh, I know that some places use, like, their whipbeer yeast or something like that to ferment it out. Well, I'm pretty sure this is a sour mash. I think it mentions that. <coughs> Excuse me. The original gravity is 1.04. As you can see, it's a pretty small beer. Mm-hmm. Uh it's available year-round. 
The original gravity or the final? That's the original gravity. One point oh four. Oh, one. Okay. I was thinking an extra decimal place. I was. I thought you said one point zero zero four. I'm like, that's that's almost this much more than water. Right. No, so it's ten forty. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's a four percent beer or something mm-hmm. like that. Actually, it's probably a little higher than your average four percent beer, but you know, there's probably more unfermented um, dissolved solids in this. Right. Too. Yeah. I mean, like we said, it's it's exceptionally cloudy. It's it's totally translucent. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so drinkable though. Just sip after sip. Yeah, it, it's like drinking. Um... It's kind of like it. This is as good as a hard lemonade can really oh, get. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, you know, it's just this super refreshing thing. It's like drinking a not too sweet lemonade with a little bit of tang on it. You mm-hmm. know? And uh, yeah, they should sell this. Like, <laughs> they could call uh, this if if kids sold this at lemonade stands, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, speed past this so so much. You got me thinking I need to find it, track down a case of Oarsman. I wonder if they yeah. put it in its own case. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure you can definitely buy it by a six-pack. Or I'm thinking maybe buy a six-tool of Oarsman. Hmm. Put it in the kegerator. <laughs> That'd be fun. You could drink a lot of these. I mean, could. it would really take... You could... It would take a six-pack to get you pretty moderately. I uh. love how it's not too sour. Like so, like um, a couple of years ago when the Homebrewers Conference was in Cincinnati, I went out there. And one of the presenters did a presentation, a symposium, on, on Blinderweiss. And his name was his nickname was Icky. Uh, his real name was Jeff. I can't think of his last name. And he invited me to, the night before, this tasting where he had brewed like 15 Blinderweisses. And we tasted a bunch of real Blinder, you know, commercial Blinderweiss. Oh my god! My, I was so wrecked after that. I had such a acid heartburn yeah. thing going on. I just had to like, like I was asking people, "You got any tums? You got any tums? I need some tums just to, to fix the pH in my stomach." And uh, yeah, this one's not nearly as acidic as those, but it also has a significant acidity, especially compared to something like Festina Pesh from Dogfish Head, which they call that Neo Berliner Vice, which, in my opinion, is not nearly tart enough. It, it's barely tangy at all. Mm-hmm. You can, and, you know, I just think if they would have put this much tartness in something like the Vecina Pesh, then I think the peach flavor and the tanginess would have played a little bit better and wouldn't be too watered down. You know, right. you don't usually say watered down with a dogfish beer, but... The tanginess you know, actually gives it a bit of body as, mm-hmm. as, you, know, yeah. as a, you know, as a way to um, keep that small beer but still keep it tasteful. Right. So I'm trying to think where to go next because this is a barrel-aged beer here, Asian Zinfandel barrels. Yeah, so, so I would we say might we not want to go to him right away. Yeah, right. I'd say we go with that last because the next yeah. ones should be very, you know, they're they're both foreign, mm-hmm. but they should be very interesting. All right, so we're going to do from Castle Brewery in Van Hoensenbroek, Belgium, the Saint Louis Goosefond Tradition Lambic. Hmm. That's pretty much saying it as an American word. I didn't try to. Yeah, I didn't try to use it anything up. wrong. It's about five percent by volume. Uh, we got this one in Washington, right? Yes, yes. This is one of the ones we bought down at Saver. I'm pretty sure. We stopped at that beer store that was across the street from uh, Pizza Paradiso. The ones that had a uh, sink the Bismarck and right. tactical nuclear penguin. 
on the shelf. So uh, a Guse or a Hughes is a, a lambic style, you know, a wild beer, but um, has not been flavored with any fruits. Yeah, not flavored fruits. Typically a blend, though, of, of several beers to give you a consistent flavor. So there's some older beers, some younger beers, so varying amounts of tartness and whatnot to get it to where it's at. It's a a, a muted, uh, well, it's it's kind of a wood color. It's kind of like Jeff's table here. It's it's not quite copper, and it's a not chestnut. straw. A chestnut's a good a good way to say it. It's a little more golden, though. I would I think it's fairly it's somewhat cloudy. I probably could have poured it a little more carefully. It's about, I, I saw a chunk of yeast. Yeah, come I, out. I saw a chunk. I see some chunks in the bottom, but that's okay. It's not going to kill me. It's got unless more you, definitely you have gout, and then it's, it's got a nice head. By the way, we're drinking these out of non-traditional glasses. We're drinking these out of the Sam Adams uh, glasses, just the ones I grabbed, and I thought, hey, let's do it. They're always fun to drink out. Yeah, of. it it's got a, about a yeah about a two finger or a finger head of nice and fluffy. Yeah, the roll on this one's quite different from what you get oh, from Lunar Vice. Yeah. You know, the Lunar Vice was that wheat, lemongrass, maybe a little bit of tanginess. This one has a different kind of, of tartness going on completely. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to really you know categorize without saying it smells like a lambic, right? I mean, maybe it smells a little lactic. Think like a... Um, I mean, the closest thing I can think of is like a... Uh, a salt washed cheese or something. You well, know, washed cheese. I would say that some, especially tart fruit, if you can just sort of smell the outside, the skins without any of the fruit juice. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you had some pretty dry, you know, not broken raspberries, you might get some of this aroma off of it. Okay, it, it's a it's a very tart um, kind of. Kind of leafy aroma. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the way I'm going is it's kind of like a uh, brine washed cheese or something. You know, it's a little bit lactic. Yeah, there's definitely lactic notes. There, there's a, there's a, a bit of leatheriness, which you mm-hmm. would probably expect. It smells good, though. It does. It, 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 it smells, you know, surprisingly good for the smell it's it's interesting way that the smell is 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 not one you would typically necessarily say appetizing and yet it is it's maybe it's because we know what's coming right i'm i'm already starting to salivate you know i'm (laughs) i'm I'm expecting that zing in the cheeks and my taste or my uh saliva glands are already working overtime i don't know i I think that there's something compelling about the smell too that it's pavlovian yeah We'll see. Anyway, here's the beer. Cheers. Oh, big tanginess on it. Makes your cheeks pucker, Greg. Wasn't Whoa. quite expecting it. That's, uh, that's... And digs in. Mm. But not too bad. It's not like drinking something like the Waffly where it actually, like, rips your cheeks apart. You know? <laughs> At least not yet. It's a, it's a powerful sourness. It's... Very, you know, very strong and and, and very direct. Mm-hmm. The, it's kind of a citric acid, right? I mean, yeah, it, it's very much like uh, the kind of tang you get from a sour patch kid, mm-hmm. but without the chemicaliness. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, it, it's it it has this this very 
this very front forward pull of that citric acid. You know, it's, it, it's a pretty pretty lemony mm-hmm. uh, flavor, and then it gives way to a somewhat weedy, somewhat uh, barleyish mm-hmm. background. The sour still dominates the flavor, mm-hmm. but you know, the sour lemonish, but not quite lemon. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying because yeah, I agree exactly with Greg. It starts off. The citric acid flavor dominates, where it's kind of lemony, but it doesn't. It's not quite as sharp as a lemon zing, right? It's kind of a little muted from a lemon zing, um, but it's it's right up there. You know, it's very tart and puckered. It doesn't also have the fruitiness of a lemon zest. Yeah, or something and like then that. I think it kind of tapers off into something a little more lactic, where it's a kind of like what we had in the last beer, but you know, I think it kind of changes where you taste a little bit of the lactic character from it. You know, which was I think mostly what I was smelling. I would say that it's not a beer for beginners. I hesitate to say that because I have... I've told this story before, so I'll be brief. You know, my last job, I traveled a lot for business, and every time I travel, I'd go to beer places, and I would entertain. I would take people out and give them a tour, and I'd always try to cap off the night with something that would blow their, you know, expectations. And typically it was... Um, Rodenbach Grand Cru or something like that. And this and Rodenbach are not the same beer. But you would be surprised at how many people who had never had a sour beer, who don't like beer very much, loved something like Rodenbach. And that's still pretty tart. It's not the same as this, but it's not. Well, I say not. (coughs) Excuse me again. I say not a beginner beer in the same way that I would say uh, Oberolo was not a beginner wine. Uh, It's. Too strong, too too confident, too overpowering in, in some of its flavors uh, to be that some someone inexperienced with it would not be able mm-hmm. to, to to grab the uniqueness of it. Uh, I think, would see w- wouldn't see it for all it is. Right, seeing for all it is, I think that's a big part of the thing. Because when I took these people out and had them try these sour beers, I was there to hold their hand, right? Explain what they were tasting. If someone just ordered this. And didn't have a tour guide, I think it'd be a, it'd be a different game altogether, right? Spit it out, say, "Oh my God, it's spoiled!" You right, know, yeah. and you'd have to explain to them, you know. So I think that definitely you need some subtext, some subtitling, to, not subtext, but some subtit- subtitling to this beer. True, I, I, I was in uh, one one time when I was in Japan. Uh, the second time I was there, I went with one of Shane's friends, Ben, to uh, a place, and we brought out uh, the next beer, actually, Cantiagus, and you know. The, I had to walk him through, mm-hmm. it, but he said he said he liked it. I don't know whether he was just being you know mm-hmm. <laughs> being nice to me or whether he actually did like it. But I, I still you know I explained to him before I drank it. It's just gonna you know it's gonna take, it's taste like sour. It's gonna almost you know almost be vinegar sour, but not quite there. This is not um, acetic acid sour. Yeah, right? I'm not, I, I was looking for acetic acid at all. I really don't pick up any character from acetic acid. If so, it's, it's and typically you're pretty sensitive to that kind of vinegar mm-hmm. flavor. So I'm not really picking up at all in this beer. And the Saint-Louis-Gouzefond Saint Tradition. <laughs> Butcher City. Um, so it's imported by Wedden Brothers in uh, Sterling, Virginia, if you want to find it uh, in the U.S. Yeah, I don't see it in this market at all, yeah. but I've had it on draft a couple times, so it's not... Super rare. I think the last time I had it was when I was in Asheville. They had it on draft at the uh, 
uh, Monk's Pub or whatever it's called down there. Bottled on ten oh one twenty. Don't know what that's referring to. January twentieth of twenty ten. Think so. Year, month, day. All right. That's my guess. I'm sticking with it. Unless there's twenty months in Belgian years. There could be. How those crazy guys react. The nice thing is that this is not a very uh, particularly high hopped beer, which is good because this isn't a green mm-hmm. bottle. Right. Uh, yeah, Belgian or Olympics use aged hops, so they, they actually like, sit them out in the sun and let them get yeah. all yellow and cheesy before they brew with them and save them for a couple of years. They don't use fresh hops at all in Belgium. And then they use a small amount of these. They use them pretty much for the antimicrobial aspects of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, Maybe you get some flavor off a small amount of aged hops, but it's not hop flavor. It's something else completely, so... It's, uh, it, it's, and they're using a low alpha hop to start with before they age it. You know, they're not using cascades. They're using, you know, something like Holler Tower or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, like the what should what's it called? The the one that I've had the big green bottle of that's always been. Uh, Say Um, it's not a who's. It's a, it's the saison. Saison uh, Dupont. Saison Dupont. Yeah, I've never had it without it being um, destroyed. I like. I've had it a bunch destroyed. Um, I've had a good one before. I've had good saison de pomp, but yeah, you gotta be real careful. Um, you need a certificate of authenticity or mm-hmm. a certificate of handling that comes with the bottle before you buy that stuff. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah. So next, you got a little bit to go there. Are you sure you want to jump ahead? Yeah, it's okay. I'll be right. I'll be done by the time you get that thing open. You have to put your uh, <laughs> corkscrew in it and everything. All right, Cantillon, classic Guise, ale aged oak barrels, product of Belgium. <clears throat> it is a blend of one, two, and three-year-old lambics. It is from this five percent alcohol by volume. It, this this one is a Shelton Brothers. Uh, yep, imported. So, so you can get that here in Pennsylvania. Well. I, actually, you know, we're going to have to pan this beer, Greg, because I was on the bus out to the homebrew club talking to Keith, you know, Keith Koss, and he said that we have to um, stop promoting, he said I have to stop promoting craft beer, in particularly Cantillon beers, because they're too hard to find now because too many people are looking for it. So we need to pan this beer, tell people how bad it is so there's more for us, okay? <laughs> um, <clears throat> 2008. I- Edition. They put the vintage on the cork. So this is the 2008 edition. I did not accept that challenge. I will tell it like I see it. Well, then Canton's going to continue <clears throat> to be very hard to find for us. Well, we don't know. Let's give it a taste. Another big green bottle. Cantillon's hard to find in Pittsburgh. Shelton Brother doesn't give Vecini much love. But mm. if you uh, travel around, if you're ever out in Boston and see your sister, you can go to um, the public house, and they probably have several interesting bottles of Cantillon in the cellar. Um, where I'm going tomorrow, at Vintage Estates out in Ohio, that's where I bought this. I bought this at Christmas uh, two years ago, actually. 
I'm filling our glasses up because I'm pretty sure we'll just want to drink this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, so this has been sitting in my cellar for two years. Like I said, it was a 2008, so it was about a year old when I bought it. And, uh, yeah, you can find more on the shelves over in Ohio than you can here. We don't get much Shelton Brothers love for Canty on Pittsburgh, apparently. So here's how, how it works. It's um, <clears throat> During late winter and early spring, the Cantillon family brewers will match and blend one, two inferior lambics to arrive at a balanced balance texture and flavor. marketing speak. Balanced texture and flavor. Generally, younger lambic is thinner, livelier, and milder on the planet. The older lambic is harder, more complex, and resoundingly sour. They're in every task is unique. Uh, there is no formula for blending, no expectation of consistency from year to year. The artfully blended Lebec, marketing speak, is bottled immediately in another, and uh, the mixture of Lebec from several different casts sparks a second fermentation in the bottle. This is oh. the... I mean, finish. I have take issue with the, the part of marketing speak there. This is the essence of Method Champenois, by which champagne is made. The end product is called a hooze. Uh, months later in the bottle, a few months' time in the bottle, conditions the beer... Uh, in proper storage condition, fermentation in the bottle will continue for years. So, artfully blended. Greg took issue with that. I mean, th- they said that you know they blend it year to year. They, no, I, they come I, up with I something. agree. It's probably artfully blended, but I just don't like oh. throwing. I just I just okay. don't like throwing anything that's not specifically about the beer. You know, any, anything in, you know that, that glamorizes any any aspect into it because I, I think that sure. any glamour words are marketing words. Right, but. I'm I'm sure a lot of handling, a lot of care is taken, and I'm sure it's a very artful I th- I th- process. I think the interesting thing is that they don't go for a consistent product year to year. Every year they take the three be- three root beers, source beers, and blend them till they find the product they like, yeah. and that's what they bottle as the 2008. Um, classic use. Well, it says a brewery, Jean-Pierre Von Ray, says that he hopes to achieve the same quote-unquote harmony each mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, it, it's not going to be the same beer from year to year. It's given a four-star world classic ranking by the late Michael Jackson and is a five-star world beater, according to Tim Webb. Tim Zay, a beer writer from England. So I filled up the glasses kind of high. I was feeling rambunctious. Not getting as much aroma because we only got about three quarters of an inch of right. headspace on the glass. Um, doesn't smell as tangy as the Saint Louis. No, it's it's doesn't it doesn't have the the same kind of like I said the raspberry skin aroma. It, it, it is a little more um, or leafiness to it. A little more rustic, I'll say. I'll say rustic, like. Pasture. I don't want to get right into the horse blanket and barnyard, but it's a little more pasture. It's a little more green and and um, and straw like. Well, something. I'll go with that old cracked granite. You know, I think that there, there's a bit of a of a cra- or cracked limestone or some sort of rocky, okay, um, you know, powdery rock kind of aroma coming off of this. Well, that's interesting. Has a grapefruit juice, grapefruit type tang to it. Not as much of a um, strong sourness mm-hmm. as the Fond Traditionnel, and dare I say it, not as good. It's 
it doesn't have the same kind of oomph to it, I mm-hmm. guess, right? It doesn't have the, the same punch. It's, it it, it has a, has this pithiness to it, and it right. feels a little hollow compared to the roundness of the sambuca. Right. And because it doesn't have that initial punch, you taste more of of sort of the under some some of what's coming up in in the uh, yeast and, and the lactic acid, which is still a little bit more leathery mm-hmm. and uh, not quite. You know, the 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 sourness of the Fontrichion really covered up any aspect that was there. This doesn't, mm-hmm. so it comes through uh, pretty hard. It's also not as carbonated, right? I want to get a couple more sips in to see if we kind of get used, calibrated to it, yeah. and change our opinion. I want to get like two or three more sips in because, uh, like, the second sip wasn't as pithy and grapefruity as the first sip. It's kind of going away. The first sip was like, like eating the white part of a grapefruit. It's like, <laughs> oh man, that is. That's tangy and, and, and chalky. Hmm. It doesn't have a... I don't know, there, there's something that's not here that the other one had. It's it it's a, a stickiness, I guess. I think the other one had a a lot more of that citric, you know, that big full citric mm-hmm. flavor, and the, and it gave the the really full body, and you just kind of you know soaked in that whole the sittingness. Where this one, it's not uh, it's not served up as straightforward to you. It, yeah. It's a little. You know, more complex, and I'm not sure whether it's a good complex or a bad complex, but you have to go looking for it a little bit more to get the different flavors in here. I think it's... And I think there's a little more nuance to the sour in this one. (coughs) Absolutely. Hopefully I get more used to it and can really pick out the nuance, but yeah, it's definitely a more nuanced... I think the problem it's having is that it's suffering by comparison. It's... Yeah, uh, it could be. You know, the the other one was such a strong and and big player that this one is having a lot to live up to, mm-hmm. and you know since they're the same style, um, you know the, the same essential idea behind the flavor, uh, we we had one that uh, really knocked our socks off, and then this one is coming up short along those lines. Mm-hmm. So we have to, like you said, recalibrate ourselves to it. So I don't think it's bad. No, I'm getting more and more used to it. Like that. Yeah, I, I'm not noticing that big grapefruit anymore. Now it's tasting more, it's tasting fuller in body, more acidic than it did at first. And there's this, um, I'm not sure if it's a lactic or if there's a little something else going on there, but there's this really, uh, I see, I want to say really cheesy because that makes it sound gross. Well, I definitely um, think there's a, there's a pithiness here that's not going away. Okay. That wasn't there in the Fond Tradition. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. No, I shouldn't have pulled the poured the whole uh, whole bottle. Well, what were we gonna do? Well, we could have added it for post show instead of working through it now. Right. I'm enjoying it enough that I yeah. Can... No, it's not. It's, it's like we said. It's not a bad beer. Yeah, I'm sure we can find enough to talk about, even if it's not about the Kention. Is, is there any beard news lately? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm, I'm uh, getting you, over something, so I'm coughing a lot. I yesterday apologize. was International IPA Day. <laughs> You're supposed to tweet about IPAs. International IPA Day? Yep. I didn't realize they're 
do they have International Day for other styles? Is there International Porter Day? This is something that some Washington beer bloggers started. That um, it was kind of like a social media. There was a hashtag, and uh, see, IPAs peaked way before social media did. So I don't know why they would keep trying to. <laughs> to well, push they, it. Yeah, they kind of said that you know, as the quintessential craft beer. The ironic thing was, we had our you know our beer buy at work yesterday. I did the beer club, and this month was IPA. So I brought home you know six different IPAs yesterday. So I had two IPAs last night. Had the um, I had, first one I had I needed to try was the Razor Five because I bought the case. I opened the case at work to do the mix and match part, and there's the thickest layer of dust on these bottles of beer. Really? It's an IPA. I'm like, oh no. It's Razor like, Five was the original man candy beer. It's not going to be hoppy at all. So that's the first beer I had last night just to see if it was any good. It was still decent. It didn't taste bad, but it, it wasn't man candy. It was still hoppy, but not man candy. Right. And the second beer I had last night. I had the um, six hop whole hog IPA from Stevens Point because it was the only other beer, only beer in the six pack that I've never had. Uh, it was decent, um, not you know West Coast or, or American. It was a little, it was hardly English by comparison to English beers, but it was, it, well, it was Midwest I guess compared to West Coast beer. So <laughs> it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I just recently got a case of, um, I got two cases. Um, I got one case of, uh, now, why am I forgetting? <laughs> uh, one case of Sly Fox, uh, their, their pale ale, their canned pale ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other case was that coffee beer that's not a porter. I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, um, oh, I forget. I know. I think I know what you're talking about. You've had it, it before. Me. I try, now I can't remember the name yeah. of it for some reason. The Oh, I, I here's an update. A craft Beer Radio update. Update. So we really, really pooped on the Zeus long show, or the uh, Latitude 68, Latitude 48, the Zeus edition. Yes. It was horrible. We could, I, was sh- I gave Sam Adams credit for actually making it, but I thought it was the worst tasting combination. I had it a couple nights later by itself, not compared to the other ones. And it wasn't bad. It was decent. I mean, it wasn't as good as you know the other ones, but I mean, it didn't taste like didn't taste gross. So, craft beer radio correction. It's not as bad, but it it's interesting having it in the flight because it it doesn't compare hold a candle to the other ones. But when you have it yeah. by itself, you don't notice how it doesn't. I've had it by itself before, and I just don't like it. Period. Okay. So you're you know you can go with it as you as you want. Whoever. <coughs> Whoever of us more matches your flavor, yeah. you know, and you your, you hated the Simcoe by itself, and when you had it in the flight, you didn't think it was as bad. So that one went the opposite yeah. direction yeah. than the Zeus did for me. So yeah, the, the, well, I, I think the Zeus was always in my mind worse mm-hmm. than the Simcoe, but oh, okay, um, but I, maybe, it was just I wasn't sure which one it was. You know, I knew that, that both of those oh, right. were the ones I didn't like too much, but I still think the Atinum is the one that you know, or the Anthony. Anthonome, I think. Yeah, yeah, that that one's the best one by itself for sure. I was just the beer distributor the other night, and I walked by the Sam Adams stack to see if there's any left. They didn't have any. They do have the long shot out now, the uh, Category Thirty Two edition. Yeah, experimental beers. I, I think I just want a six pack of those. I don't think I want the whole case. <laughs> it seems like always a fruit beer in there. Yeah, the Sam Adams employees always brew a fruit beer. Did I talk about the uh, Widmer Black IPA? 
No. I had that um, last week or the week before. And um, it was, you know, Widmer Brothers. I have a prejudice. I really don't expect much from Widmer Brothers. Um, I was at a place that had some craft beer, but not a lot. And I figured I'd give that a try. It was The other choice was a Southern Cheer IPA, which is a beer I love, but I've had a bunch. So I'm like, I'm going to give the Widmer a try. You know, because I never write off a brewery. Very seldom do I write off a brewery. And, it was and really, as we've explained before, mm-hmm. they improve. Breweries have to improve in, yeah. in this market. Yeah, uh, Widmer Black IPA is um, not only the best Widmer beer that I've had, you know, that I can in memory, but it's probably the best Black IPA I've had in memory. Hmm. Which might be saying a lot, might be saying a little, because really Black IPA is a style I've never really gotten. Like, you know, I don't get it. Like, why do people love it so much? It's just not a style for me. It doesn't add much to the beer Mm -hmm. from what I've noticed. At least people have not put in like a major chocolate component to an IPA or something like that. Well, that's kind of the point is that they made this, they found this black malt that doesn't make it taste like a porter, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't, you know, okay, so you can make the beer look different, but that, you know, that's caramel coloring, essentially. Mm -hmm. That doesn't add anything to the beer experience. I mean, well, I can't say that, you know, how you look at a beer doesn't add to its experience, because we know. Well, you know, when Stone did it, when Stone did it for their anniversary beer, the beer that became sublimely self-righteous, you know, when they first did the Black IPA, that was revolutionary, because it's like, you know... Acid trip, right? Where you're you're drinking a beer that looks like a porter and it tastes like an IPA and doesn't taste roasty at all, you know. But after that, you know, everyone's doing it, and I never really got why it was its own style and not just a a one time or two time type fad. But you know, I had the Widmer, and it, I don't remember exactly why I liked it, but I'm like, you know, for a black IPA, that's pretty good. Maybe it's sort of like Crystal Pepsi. Maybe <laughs> for a black IPA, for a beer from Widmer, you know, both of those, you know. If you want to talk about dating yourself, <laughs> Crystal Pepsi is a good way to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a uh, a clear cola. There was, for some reason, at this point in time, uh, I don't know, probably late eighties, right? Uh, uh, it was in the nineties. It, uh, was, it was. It was. It was. De- it debuted at the Super Bowl, and it was the year that everyone was doing the same thing. Yeah. I remember that Gillette put out their clear gel deodorant at the Super Bowl. They put out Crystal Pepsi at the Super Bowl. Right. And it was like another crystal clear thing that came out that Super Bowl or it, something. There was something about, I guess there was a, a, a meme generated that the sense that clear is in some way better for you. Or in some way less toxic or more healthy or something. I, I never saw Crystal Pepsi as a health, you know, better it, it for you. I think it, it was just a, hey, look, we have technology to make stuff clear and have... Well, it's the same kind of thing, right? It looks like water, or it looks like club soda, but it tastes like Pepsi. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, it looks like a porter, but it tastes like a black IPA. That's where you were getting to, but that's really... I think that was the motive, mo- the motivation. I don't really think it was, hey, it's not, it's clear, so it's... You know, but I got to think there there was some other impetus besides we can do this. No, no, I'm pretty sure... Well, at least for the Crystal Pepsi thing, and, and, no, and, and the I whole mean, Crystal fad. Dude, in the, look, look the at these 90s. huge, you know... PepsiCo type companies, they only do things because they can do that and make a short term marketing bump out of it. That's the only reason they do things. Pepsi Throwback, it's still only a seasonal thing just because if they yeah. did it all the time, it would get old hat and it wouldn't be as good as having it come out once well, a year. Well, no, they can't, do, they can't do it all the time because they can't afford it. They could, yeah, they could charge whatever they need to charge for. I mean, it's beet sugar, first off, it's not cane sugar. But still, it's actual, like, you know. All right. 
they could char- i mean i think they might actually charge more for throwback than for regular but they they do what mcdonald's does to the mcrib they even though the mcrib is a crappy sandwich they only put it out every once in a while to keep that buzz going hey mcrib's back let's mm-hmm. go get some squish chipmunk on a bun you got a point there Squished chipmunk on a bun. <laughs> you ever look like one, look at one? It looks like a six-legged, six-legged squished chipmunk. <laughs> I I have had a McRib before because I think everyone has um, fallen for the marketing. <laughs> it's not falling for the marketing so much as you know, it piques your curiosity, right? Your 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 curiosity has it, it's okay. Look at this way: if they're going to make a whole, you know, a million McRibs and you eat one of them, you're not really adding much to their bottom line by just giving it a sh- you know, just peaking your curiosity mm-hmm. and checking it out. Right. So I felt like I wasn't really adding to their bottom line all that much by going and buying a McRib but I, j- I just had to see you know? <laughs> you had to see what the deal was with yeah. the McRib I'm not sure if I've ever had a McRib but in school, you know, in the lunch cafeteria they had a uh, the same kind of thing, six-legged squish chipmunk. Right. It, it, it's a it, it's a boneless. Um, what is it? It's it's a it's a patty essentially, shaped like cut out. It's kind of like a cookie cutter, cut out a, a shaped patty of pork meat. In into it's supposed to look like ribs, but it has yeah. you know three nubs on each side, so it looks like a you know an like a little. Has a round end and a round end on both sides, and three nubs on each side. So it looks like something with six legs, and it's flat, right? Because right. it's only you know half inch thick. How many chipmunks do you have? Six legs. Well, that's why I said six legs squish chipmunk. <laughs> and then you know it has these grill lines across it. You know right. these, these fake grill lines, so it looks like it was been barbecued. It's a fantastic piece of engineering. <laughs> and then it's covered with a barbecue sauce, and they throw pickles on it. And that's it, I think. <laughs> All right, back. I think we're about done with the canteen. Yeah. Any uh, final, <laughs> final opinions or uh, any new insights? It, it improved a lot with, um, you know, once it got out of the shadow of the mm-hmm. Fontaineion. You know, once we <clears throat> left that comparison, it, yeah. it became it. So it came into its own. Uh, so it was that initial. Huh, we were thinking was just because it was. So, so different. So, so, what you're saying is that the Cantillon is the McRib to the Font Tradition is the uh, Big Mac. I, I don't even know what that analogy means. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll my, go with it. Then, then my point, my point <laughs> was driven home because that's what I was hoping for. How many brewers can I insult in one sentence? Mm. Yeah, that definitely hit the spot after a while. Mm-hmm. The um, my cheeks are still pretty intact. You know where you have some of these beers, and they just seriously, I love La Folie, but when I drink that, it, like it makes your cheeks raw. Yeah, doesn't it? It just eats them away. It's it's been a while actually, so I don't remember that much. But <coughs> I'm sure you're right. <coughs> Again, excuse me. I'm sorry for this. I don't think I have any lawfully in the, in the cellar. I think I'm fresh out. All right, so this last beer is... Well, that smelled weird. I popped the cap, and I thought I smelled sugary breakfast cereal, like um, Fruit Loops or something. 
This last beer is Avery's uh, Brabant. Uh, it is a barrel-aged wild ale, not brewed to any known style, malted with two-row barley, dehus carafa, honey malt, carafa three, chai, and chocolate malt. Original gravity of 1.074, alcohol 8.7, 25 IBUs, barreled in red Zinfandel barrels from Norman Vineyards in Paso Robles, California. It is a one-and-done production. 694 cases were produced in, in February 10th of 2009. So if you can find this, great. Two strains of wild yeast, uh, Britannomyces. Okay, so it says two strains of wild yeast, but it only says Britannomyces. So maybe there are two strains of Brett. And then aged for eight months on Zinfandel barrels. Now they hope we enjoy it. And it's vast layers of complexity of this mysterious ale. So, this is one of those that, yeah, you guys probably won't be able to get your, a chance to get your hands on it unless you can. If you don't find. have it already, <laughs> yeah. So we apologize, but we we couldn't not share this with you. Yeah, I've had this in the cellar, and I just recently, you know, between the last show and now, loaded up the fridge with just a bunch of cellar stuff that you know Greg and I should just drink, and this was one of them. And you know, we actually had you know four soury beers in the fridge. It's been a while since we've done one of these shows, so woohoo! Cheers! Cheers! All right, this beer pours. It has that that mm. malt, which I'm pretty sure is the beer they use in those black IPAs, mm. or the, the malt they use. In it. So look at this thing. It pours like a porter. Yeah. Stout. Can't see through it at all. But it also has chocolate malt in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so anything you wouldn't expect yeah. it to be a, this illusion type thing where it doesn't taste roasty. It'll this one should taste roasty a little bit. Well, if I didn't know it was red Zinfandel, I wouldn't have been able to pick it out in the aroma. But I definitely can. Okay. I, 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 I think it smells like a little, a little rosy. Mm-hmm. You know, like rose petals or something like that. There's a floral. Going I'm picking on out. It. I'm picking out something vinous. Uh, something grapey. It, it's. It's got, you know, essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, and I can see where that could come from the wine. You know, actually, I wasn't really thinking wine. I was thinking, like, rose and a little bit of, um, a little bit of acidicness, you know, like a, like a, um, uh, Rodenbach or something, like, uh, Flanders Red, you know, it's a little tangy, like that aroma. And I think, you know, there's a, a little bit of, you know, dry chocolate aroma coming off of that thing also. Yes, I agree. Chocolate malt again lives up to its name. Yeah. So the head's it has a very thin head. Looks like it has a decent carbonation to it. That's... No, no lights getting through this sucker. You can definitely tell it's a Brett beer from the first taste. Has this. <laughs> oh, what does it have? It's it's funny how much the Brett. Fights with the lacticness that's still there, right? They <laughs> oh, the ones the lactic that's still in your palate. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're just like, they're like, no, I don't like you. I don't like you either. So you have to kind of get past that. Yeah, it kind of makes this like chalky type coating on your tongue or something yeah. like that, doesn't it? It's uh, it's interesting. I, I mean, I've had Brabant before. Do you? I'm trying to think if we did this on the show or not. I don't think we did. No, I, I believe don't, this is the first time we've done this. I don't remember it being so chocolatey, but 
who knows it's been a couple years yeah big chocolate especially in the aftertaste big roasty chocolate porterish aftertaste uh, up front it has more of that bread how's the bread really coming across in this beer because it's I don't know let's see the bread's coming across not quite as not quite as a sourness. It doesn't it doesn't have a whole lot of tartness or sourness to it. It has a um, a kind of er, a big earthiness to it, almost a mushroom, uh, like oh, almost a wood. I mean, obviously it's yeah. a barrel aged beer, but it has this woodiness to it, like um, chewing on a stick or something. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's that kind of woodiness the uh, cellulose type character or like I say I mean you know a mushroom a shiitake or, yeah. A, or a yeah maybe like a, a really yeah those are a little too I was thinking like you know something like um, um, what are the ones that come dried and you soak in water the um, sort of the pea or something <laughs> damn it vocabulary come to me <clears throat> porcini you know, something okay, like that. Porcini but those, mushroom? Okay. Porcini, but those are actually a little more meaty than what I'm going for. So find something a little more it's, woody. Well, I mean, the, the meatiness is, is more of a texture yeah. thing, and I'm thinking more flavor. But well, there definitely... That, it has that protein umami type thing. Where yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not really getting that in this beer. I'm getting more of a, you know, cellulose, sticky wood, you know, stick-like, stick-like, wood-like something, you know. Like chewing on, like not a green stick either, but a dry wooden stick. Like you know, uh, take an oak chip. You know, yeah. that, you know, like maybe you have an oak chip for your barbecue, right? You know, maybe chew on that a little bit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe rinse off some of the sap maybe, and then chew yeah. on it a little bit. Wash it very cleanly. Um, <laughs> put it in in a in a red wine for a couple of days. There Let it dry go. off. And then, <laughs> or just you know, drink bourbon, <laughs> and and then chew on it, and you'll you'll get r- roughly the flavor of what's right. going on Thanks, here. Thanks, Greg. Um, interesting combination, especially with the age, because I remember this thing being, I remember it being more like a Flanders Red last time I had it, hmm. and now it's not really like a Flanders Red at all, right? Because it's more leathery and chocolatey, like kind of pulled yeah, together the, with this wood splinter character coming in. You know, we call it a sour show, but mm-hmm. this isn't sour. There's no tartness here. There's some vinous quality. There's, you know, I can taste where um, where the wine is. I can definitely taste the chocolate, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and the Brett is so far from the Lambic. Yeah, that you know that from the from the lactic stuff that we've had, uh, it's very different. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 different, and I'm not I haven't really made up my mind yet on it to be totally honest. I'm also getting this. Uh, maybe that's part of the. Let's go back to chewing on wood, shall we? It's almost like I'm getting this like cinnamon stick type flavor. I not really like the super spice of cinnamon, but more like you know just chewing on the what what is the 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 when you buy cinnamon sticks and you're not buying the real expensive real stuff. I think it's called cassia. Cassia. It's almost like if you're chewing on a cassia. Maybe after you've used it a little bit, you know, like say you cooked in something, then you pulled out, you're chewing on the cassia. It's, it's yeah. a little bit of that flavor too. Yeah. The, the the bark for most cinnamon sticks that you buy is not actually the cinnamon tree. It's I believe the cassia tree. Yeah, you're right. And uh, yeah, so that's um, 
this with Jesse Shrinkin. And yeah, I mean, I can see that in, in a, a, a used up cinnamon stick. Yeah. Like, you know, when we cook the Indian thing that requires a, that, that we've cooked a couple times, mm-hmm. that requires a cinnamon stick. And I bet, yeah, if you were to, after all, the essence of cinnamon is out of that. It's just a weirdness. See, you know, I've tasted that, right? And Greg's yeah. like, yeah, I think it'd be like tasting that. I'm like, well, why'd you never taste the used cinnamon stick? You know, it's just sitting there, you know? You know, it's just like, you know, Greg claims to have never tasted cardboard. And, you know, I've, I've tasted cardboard. Well, it's like, you know, to me, it's like, okay, when you when you do a stock, mm-hmm. okay, and you're cooking, let's say, a big, you put a chicken in there and you cook a stock. You put all those vegetables and whatever, and, and once you cook them, all the essence of what's in the vegetables and what's in the meat and what's in the bones is gone. It's in the stock. You know, I know people who take you know take those vegetables, leave it in there, and eat them afterwards. But all you're getting is just some fibers or you know some cellulose or some. Mm-hmm. I've know. never eaten you know the the post stock chicken bones. I've, I've I've eaten some of the carrots and stuff. I mean, they don't taste like nothing. They taste like a carrot. I mean, they're saturated when they're saturated with the soup. Yeah, yeah they taste yeah. like that, but. Ultimately, on their own, they're just pieces of fiber. They've really given their yeah. all. So I generally, you know, I'll, I'll have little some of the pieces of meat to get some, you know, a little bit of protein mm-hmm. in me. But it's not like they add anything. It's not like they taste like anything. Besides what's still there, well, it from tastes the like stock. the stock. I mean, you can't right. get all the stock out. So you, right, but you, well, you can you can crush it up into you know a nice. You get, you get a nice uh, colander, yeah. and you you know yeah. you you mash all the stuff out of it. And what you're left with is essentially flavorless. Sure. Stuff. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised how chocolate it is because I don't recall that at all last time I had this. Pretty good. I, you know, they don't. What are some of the other uh, barrel aged series that Avery has done? Do you have that up? Yes. So the one that I was talking about with Jeff before we started was the Meritrix, which is a brewery only release. That's number eight. That's available um, scheduled for, or I guess it already was, uh, on Saturday, July 16th at 5 p.m. So she was aged for two years, they say, this beer. But she's probably gone. Mm-hmm. It was a cash only, available only at the brewery. Uh, there's also uh, Sui Generis, a Bowerage Sarah. Okay, Sarah I've, I've tasted that one. Black Tot, an Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Nope. <clears throat> Depe... Depucelius... They make them easy to pronounce, don't yeah. they? Depucelius... <laughs> Another wild ale uh, with 100% Brettomyces fermentation. Uh, Quin K. Partite. Uh, Margaret... And Dijo's Dactylian. Okay, I've had that one too. They had that one at um, Saber this year. I probably had it because I think I had the Avery. It went quick, so if you went late, you might not have had it. But if you I were was there... there for three sessions, I'm sure I. <laughs> right. Very cool. I guess it's ranking time. Mm. It's gonna be tough. I mean. You know, the Cantillon grew on us, but it was the most complex. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it was the most satisfying, and I think I'm going to have to go for satisfying tonight. You know, that's how I'm going to have to do it. So I am going to put the Oarsman at the top of the list. Well, ooh. Um, it's not all about rare, you know, it's not all about taste the rare in that beer. 
or the expense in that expensiveness of that beer. I think, you know, that Orsman, I could just drink the hell out of that. Yeah. And I'm going to put him in number one. Uh, Saint-Louis, two. Cantillon, three. Brabant, number four. Uh, I'm close, and I was considering it. But I think the... Uh, <coughs> I think the Saint-Louis was still just... it. It's so just, you know... It gave us a, a jolt. It did. It was tasty. It was awesome. And, you know, that was really cool. Uh, and, you know... When we compare it to the other beers, I think it just it, it just came comes out on top. It really was fantastic. Uh, the the oarsman I would go with number two definitely because, like you say, it's just it's just a really good beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way around it, and and it's it's a a fantastic sessionable beer that you can have any time and be refreshed and not get drunk and crazy and still just have a great beer. Yep. It is the perfect alcoholic lemonade with no lemons. Cantillon third uh took us some time to you know after the Fontrachion it was just hard mm-hmm. to to get used to the change. But we had a whole glass each of us and we Yeah, we definitely got used to it at the end. You know, for me to, it's, yeah. you know it's not a long third, it's a short third, you know. Yeah. It's it's not it's close behind the other two. And then Brabant's a little bit further back for me. Yeah. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't awesome. Brabant was probably better fresh. Um, probably better right when it was mm-hmm. released in 2009. Uh, giving it two years probably didn't add much to the experience. But, you know, it let, let the Brett kind of settle down, lo- lo- lost its sourness, brought out some of the other flavors that were there, which were interesting and which weren't necessarily bad, but they were mm-hmm. not. It, yeah. You're not hugely missing out by not having this beer. I agree. All right. Awesome show. Definitely. And uh, we'll come back next time with some more stuff from the cellar. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Or day, or whatever. Have a good right now. Oh. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear